Today on the Potential Psychology Podcast. I tend to believe, this is a personal belief, you know, there's abundance of both bad and good. And so my hope is that you can kind of bias yourself towards the abundance of the things that light you up. But there is always going to be an abundance of bad. So if you want to go and find that, you will find it. But what I'm talking about is the folks that are trying to fix to the degree that they can bad things that are there. But they have to remember that there's a good side. And once you lose sight of that, you know, because you've completely devoided yourself of having any aspects of fun, again, what we know is usually about within one to two years, you just won't have the capacity to contribute anymore. And so an important takeaway is if you're not having fun, you can't be the best version of yourself. Welcome to the Potential Psychology Podcast. I'm your host, psychologist Ellen Jackson, and this is the show in which we explore what it is to be human and how we as humans can fulfill our potential. Hello, it's great to be here. I am Ellen, your host of the Potential Psychology Podcast. I am back for our final conversation with Dr. Mike Rucker, which is a little bit sad, isn't it? It's been so much fun talking about fun. It's been not just fun, it's been quite intellectually stimulating and intriguing and full of practical tips and ideas, certainly strategies that I will be implementing in my life. And that comes from someone who has a little bit of an awareness already of this content. So hopefully for all of our listeners, there will be a lot of application of tips and strategies and things that we've learned to everyday life. Mike, what are we talking about to wrap this whole conversation up? What's the hot topic that really kind of brings this all together and most excites you perhaps? Yeah, I think, you know, all the tools are meant for folks to live a more fulfilling life than one they're proud of. But I think, you know, once you have that and you feel like you're firing on all cylinders and life is really lighting you up, it's important to use these concepts to give back to the greater good. And where I think it's become important is that, you know, especially here in the States with things like the Black Lives Matters movement and a lot of sort of social distress, but folks wanting to do something about it, what is a way to operate within that realm and create social change, but still make it sustainable? And so we've already discussed how fun can make things like peak experiences and your work environment, your personal life more filling and give you that sort of resilience and perseverance to do it because you're enjoying it and contributing is no different. And so I think that's where we should uh, kind of sit our conversation today is that, you know, how is fun important in that regard? And so, you know, the thing is that what we know about folks that have a slant towards philanthropy is that they carry this burden that there is some sort of issue that they're trying to change. And a lot of times that change won't happen in their lifetime. And so if that's true, then there is not even this sort of destination that they're trying to get to. You know, we talked about in the first episode that why happiness is often problematic is that you never really reach it. Well, here you set up something where you are trying to achieve a goal, right? And achieving that would make you feel good. But depending on what type of social change you're trying to engage in, that might not happen. And so it becomes extremely important to figure out how you can enjoy the process of creating that change, even if the thing that you're trying to change, you know, isn't fun at all. Mm. And so 
you know, there's all sorts of aspects of how to do that and all sorts of anecdotes. I think one of the things is creating an environment where the things that you're engaging in to make that move are enjoyable for you. So that could be who you surround yourself around, how you're actually accumulating the resources to do that, or any sort of mechanism of that social aspect that creates an enjoyable environment for you. So this is really moving, and we touched on this at the end of our last conversation, this moving from the me proposition to the we proposition and how we can make, and the words that come to my mind as you're speaking are things like contribution and purpose and even, and this is very much contextualized in my experience, but I'm now immersed through the role that I have with the Committee for Ballarat, the city that I live in, around community and how we make a contribution back to our community and how we do make those social changes both in perhaps solving a problem or helping a a cause or fill a gap or, you know, make a change to something that we see as, as not ideal, but also doing it in ways that are around growth and possibility and the where to from here. And so a lot of that is around innovation and new technologies and new industries and all with that underlying goal of being able to help to grow and prosper our community, which even as I'm saying that to your point is not something, you know, this kind of an end goal, but nobody, you know, it's not like there's a point where we're going to say, right, that's it. We've done it. You know, we are at growth and prosperity. (laughs) It's an ongoing, ever-changing thing. And as you say, probably not something that any individual one of us will get to in our own lifetime. So something in there about this need that we might have to give back and make a difference that I think pervades everyone. Yeah. Some causes are going to be an infinite game like you've described. Mm, That's a better way of describing it, an infinite game. (laughs) Yeah. And for folks that don't know that construct, it's really any sort of element where there's a finish line or there's not. And you know, Simon Sinek wrote a book about it, but folks that aren't familiar with it, I mean, it's that simple. It's that some things we orchestrate and there is a known finish line and some are meant to never end, like making sure that everyone can eat, right? You know, the idea that we're going to solve poverty in anyone's lifetime, it's just not accurate. And so that we're going to have to work at that probably for lifetimes. And that's something that can really grind you down, right? Because you are going to be immersed in folks that are experiencing trauma. And so it's not necessarily saying that you are supposed to experience pleasure like we've talked about in previous episodes, but making sure that you're in a situation where at least some of the things that you're doing are enjoyable will allow you that resilience and that fortitude and that grit to keep doing it. And so a lot of times, depending on where the person is, when we start first start having these conversations like, well, this isn't meant to be fun, right? We're talking about something like human trafficking. I mean, that is just one of the most awful things on earth. But there is such a burden to be able to do that kind of work that if you're not figuring out, again, putting yourself in an environment where you would have sustainability, because either you're around people that you want to be around, or you're celebrating the small wins when things happen, or orchestrating things again, for acquiring resources like galas or that kind of light you up. If you don't have those mechanisms in place, we know that that type of work almost has the same burnout rates that we see in medicine that we talked Mm. about earlier. 
And that's mm. a shame, right? Because this is some of the most important work. We need folks that are interested in doing this to have the type of energy that's needed to move these big rocks. And so this is something where, you know, again, it might not be the funnest to talk about, like we talked about some of the other things, but it's some of the most important work. It's like, how do we connect to things that are bigger than ourselves, but still make it enjoyable so that we do them? And so there's a whole host of mechanisms that we can do to do that. And again, you know, we start with the environment. So all of the principles that we've talked about in the previous five episodes, again, can be applied to this. How do we create an atmosphere where we want to be around those people and that we enjoy that time? How do we facilitate the work so that even though it's never ending, we create um, these opportunities to celebrate our wins and celebrate it together so that's enjoyable and it creates those memories that we can you know, reminisce and go, why am I doing this again? Oh yeah, because of this. And then this is a little bit more trivialized, but how do we create episodic events for bringing in new donors, new people that are actually kind of fun, that are completely separated from that, but that will still create these experiences that sort of build on each other. And so one of the things that I like uh, that I talk about in the book, primarily because I like the band, so that's what I'm alluding to, but was Adam Yauch, MCA from Beastie Boys, what he was able to do with regards to Tibet by marrying something that he really enjoyed, creating music um, with these concerts that really brought awareness to something that was quite awful and also contributed a lot of money to help that cause move forward. So whenever you have something that's really awful, oftentimes there are elements that you can add, you know, that will get people excited about it, maybe in a way that at first blush doesn't seem authentic, but at least moves the cause in the right direction. And Mm. why that is important is when it is, when you can find no pleasure in it at all, even if it, again, is something that's kind of awful, people will abandon it. And no matter how great people feel about it, even folks that you see this with, you know, the unfortunate events when parents have missing children, if they're not able to at least connect to folks that make them feel better about it, they'll just be eaten alive. And so to create this sustainability that's needed to keep these things moving forward is so important. Mm, So there's a resilience element to this. There's the avoidance of burnout, but there's also that kind of attraction and advocacy as well for a cause to be able to appeal. And it's interesting that you talk about the music because having grown up as I'm sure you did as well, in the kind of live aid, you know, those very early days with Bob Geldof and a a lot of big name musicians in particular, but also celebrities gathering together for large concerts and ways of gathering financial support for causes that they believed in. And I think, you know, whether at the time, certainly since then, there's been conversation about whether or not celebrities are the right people, you know, whether this was just a kind of a self-serving cause. But when you look at it through this lens, you start to realise that actually there's there's a lot to it there. There is, and whether they were conscious, whether the science even existed then to have the knowledge, we're talking about the, what, the late 80s, mid to late 80s, but being able to tie fun and pleasure and for those people intrinsically involved, you know, being able to use your music, if that is your passion and your career, and then be able to do it in a way that does attract people because who doesn't want to go to a great big concert with a whole lot of really big name performers? You know, that's fun and it is, as you say, progressing a really important cause. 
Well, and I think to your point, like the naysayer is going to be, well, 90% of the people here are only to enjoy the music. And that's fine, right? Because they're still contributing the resources. But let's say on a good day, 10% are actually activated to actually do something. And so even if there's churn within that environment, at least that aspect that sort of draws people in allows for this momentum that keeps moving, even if people are trading out of the system. And if you don't have that, if it's always something that's displeasurable, like no one's going to be attracted to it. And so having that ability to sort of understand that you need some sort of aspect of pleasure to connect yourself to move forward is the glue that's going to keep these things moving. And again, time after time, when we see that fall apart is when the movement falls apart. And then it breaks people apart because one of the things that I'm trying to do is protect the people that carry this stuff on their shoulders because oftentimes, because they're so drawn to the cause, if they're not finding pleasure, it's almost a form of self-harm because we all want to at least feel connected to something that isn't awful. And that that's going to require you to get outside of that cause because the cause itself generally is awful, right? Again, all the things that we've already mentioned. And so to be able to connect to something big outside of yourself that's good along with contributing to getting rid of something that's bad is a necessary element for you to be able to sustain Mm. your effort. And so that's why it becomes important. Because it would be so easy in those circumstances. And we do see it with any of these kind of, as you say, infinite game challenges, a burnout that comes with a kind of jadedness and a cynicism and a hopelessness. I think that was, you know, as you were speaking before, it's it's this notion of the importance of hope in this piece to keep moving things forward versus a sense of hopelessness if we become so overwhelmed by the enormity of the challenge and then perhaps don't have these positive experiences to pepper along the way that keeps us buoyant and keeps the hope alive and a reminder that we are making a difference because otherwise everything starts to kind of, you know, it becomes that negative spiral. We all grind down both the the individuals driving some of these efforts, but also the effort in itself can be so consumed, I assume, by this kind of sense of hopelessness that it fizzles out. Yeah. Speaking to the folks that tend to levitate towards leadership roles, the same sort of mechanisms that we talked about with physicians, once you start to develop apathy because everything in your lens is now, you know, has a negative skew, then you're going to stop worrying even about the people that are trying to support you in that cause. Because I tend to believe, this is a personal belief, we haven't really gotten into this, but, you know, there's abundance of both bad and good. And so my hope is that if you've taken anything away from this, you can kind of bias yourself towards the abundance of the things that light you up. But there is always going to be an abundance of bad. So if you want to go and find that, you will find it. But what I'm talking about is the folks that are trying to fix to the degree that they can bad things that are there, but they have to remember that there's a good side. And Mm -hmm. once you lose sight of that, you know, because you've completely devoided yourself of having any aspects of fun, again, what we know is usually about within one to two years, you just won't have the capacity to contribute anymore. And so an important takeaway is if you're not having fun, you can't be the best version of yourself. Mm. And so I tend to stay away from, you know, sort of those anecdotes like you can't pour from an empty cup because a lot of us that are do have a philanthropic slant 
are giving the all that we can. And so, you know, it's not like we're thinking about ourselves first. I don't feel like that applies, but certainly if you're broken, then you can't do anything. You, you're no good to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned in terms of those, how do you make these things fun? So, it, you know, it's bringing people together. It might be leveraging from a personal passion like music. It might be bringing the resources in. And you mentioned celebrating successes. And that's something that I know I talk about in workplaces as well, the importance of actually noting, because for most people, work is the infinite game. You know, it still just keeps coming. <laughs> and so this idea that I'll work longer hours, I'll just work harder, I'll skip that vacation in order to get the work done, that situation never transpires. Something else will always fill the vacuum. So where we can, making sure that we are celebrating successes and that resonates really strongly with me in this context of if it feels like we will never solve world hunger or we will never obliterate or eliminate human trafficking or if climate change is just going to be something that we battle with for a long, long time, making that conscious choice. So coming back to that notion of bringing, taking your power back and making the conscious choice to say, you know what, we might not have got to even where we want to be in our lifetime, let alone what the longer term goal is. But what have we done? What have we achieved? And and being really conscious about taking that in, soaking that in, making sure we're celebrating it, making sure we're acknowledging it to keep us buoyant. Yeah, absolutely. Because one, like we've already discussed, we have a predisposition to understand all the things that aren't going right. And we tend to even the best of us tend to resonate on those more because they are the heady problems that we're trying to solve in this particular environment. And then making sure that we have those elements that something good has come out of the work so that we don't feel like the effort that we're putting into this is futile because it almost never is. But if we don't stop to celebrate that, it doesn't have all the benefits of one, bringing folks together, but then two, making us realize that we are making a difference. And so, yeah, you're spot on. Mm. the progress principle comes to mind. So this notion that, and I'll put the reference in the show notes because I've forgotten the author's names off the top of my head, but of the importance to our well-being of feeling like we are making progress towards meaningful goals. So this notion that we do need to stop and actually enjoy it, celebrate it, acknowledge it, because then we get the well-being benefits of feeling like we're making progress if we're always looking. And and it is one of those challenges because we we want to be looking forward, but you can't always be looking forward. It's probably that mindfulness of coming back to the moment and looking a little to the past to say, what have we achieved and recognizing that so that we can really absorb that experience of, yes, I am making progress towards something that is really meaningful to me. And I will let that infuse into both my individual system, but this little system that I'm operating with, this team, this larger organization, this broader cause community, and making sure that we're all kind of getting that boost that we need so that we can keep going. Yeah, BJ Fogg talks about it a lot as well. So we'll drop that in the, mm, the notes too. Mm, yeah, mm. I think he has a good TED piece. You're much better with the references than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think for anyone listening, that is sort of, you know, wanting to make a difference, but like trying to figure out how aligning it with something that's going to assist with your motivation is maybe the one takeaway to come away from this episode, right? Is that I think most of us do want to make an impact, but a lot of times, you know, we have competing obligations and things of that nature. And so 
you know, if you're kind of going back to square one and you're thinking about some of the concepts that we brought up in the initial episodes, if you're trying to replace some things that were in the agonizing or yielding phases of your life, potentially figuring out an interesting way that you can contribute an activity bundle, giving back, but then also having fun, even if that is just attending somebody else's concert, like that's a great first step into, you know, knowing that, okay, well, I'm having a good time, but at least one little thing that I did probably is helping somebody else move forward. And then when it's your time, you know, to step in their shoes, you'll sort of understand that. And forgiving yourself if you are just having a good time at a gala. I mean, I think the people that are sort of the naysayers that sit at the sidelines don't accomplish anything. Like if anything, that's just another yielding activity, right? Like, oh, well, look at them. Well, they're actually doing something. Yeah, maybe they're enjoying themselves. And there is this paradox that, you know, they're having a bit of fun with the backdrop of something that's kind of awful, but at least it's contributing to making that thing better. And so 10 times out of 10, I think that's what you would want to do, right? Like have fun and actually move forward rather than put people down and not do anything. I mean, Mm. I think in that context, you know, if you're the one doing the latter, you should (laughs) think about something else. Yeah, that's, and again, I'm not going to know the quote, but I do know that it's Brene Brown about being in the arena. So we'll we'll find the quote for this as well. But, (laughs) you know, you've got to be in the arena. You've got to step into it and be a participant if you want to make a difference. Sitting in the sidelines or on the sidelines and then criticizing others is not doing you any good, but it's not doing the cause any good either. And as you were speaking, Mike, I I was thinking about the notion of volunteering. So plenty of opportunities, certainly in our local community, I can only imagine that exists in every local community to volunteer. And if you can do that activity bundling around finding something that interests you. So the motivational piece is there to say, yeah, well, I kind of, you know, I like gardening. So I'm going to go help with our community gardener or, you know, I like, we have repair cafes here. So, and I'm sure this is probably around the globe now, but it's part of sustainability movement. So bringing your, whatever it might be, whether it's a toy, whether it's a piece of work equipment. We do not have that here. And this sounds amazing. Well, I have to send you the link to, so whatever it might be that you have that is broken. And so as we start to shift away from just this notion of, you know, single use and disposable, disposable, yeah, that kind of stuff that we can take it to this repair cafe where a whole lot of people who are volunteers who have particular skills in whether it's sewing and repairing clothing or, you know, household items or electricals or bicycles or whatever it might be, you take it along to your repair cafe and you are getting the benefit of having your item repaired, but the volunteers have the benefit of using their skills and the things that they're interested in and being able to fix this thing and then give it back to somebody who's very happy. It's just, it's this wonderful virtuous circle kind of arrangement. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. So, you know, being able to volunteer for something like that, I know they they kind of things that to me have gone, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that, you know, because I can sew, I can help repair something that somebody else just doesn't have the skills to do, but they have the motivation. They want that thing repaired. They don't want to just dispose of it. And then, you know, your own benefit that you get from seeing that happen and playing a part in that as well. So plenty of opportunities for people to volunteer, which volunteerism maybe, and I've I've only ever been on the periphery of the field, but 
maybe has an opportunity to kind of grasp a lot of this research and this work to make it, to make the point that you're not just doing good for other people, you're actually doing good for yourself at the same time, that you get both pieces. No, so you make a good point. There's a couple of things I want to kind of piggyback off on. So absolutely, when we look at the research of kindness, it's a great bed fellow to fund. And so um, we know that kindness, those types of memories have the same effect so that when we reminisce of acts of kindness that we brought forth, they have the same sort of resilience and they make us feel just as good. And so you kind of get a one-two punch, right? If you're having fun and involved in something that you know is contributing to greater kindness around the world, those things are the glue of good mental hygiene. And you brought up something, we kind of, it's my fault, we dove right into like, you know, the heady topic (laughs) of social change, because I wanted to make, you know, the listeners understand the importance of longevity. But the opportunities to get started abound. So like for my daughter, it was us doing a beach cleanup, but then we got to make sandcastles afterwards. You know, it was sort of a community event. My daughter wouldn't have gone to just clean up the beach because mm. that would have been weird, right? You know, scouring the beach for the garbage bag. <laughs> Boring. Why would I do that, Dad? Yeah, but we had an amazing time because it was sort of bundled in the fact of that, yeah, we're going to do this and then it's going to become part of, you know, this mosaic art project. And I, you know, guarantee no matter where you live, unless you're in, you know, the total outskirts of, of your community, there are going to be these types of opportunities where, similar to what you just said, I meant the repair cafe seems amazing. One that I write about in a book that was an amazing memory that I had with my dad was cleaning a, a river because he loves scuba diving. So it's called the Great American River Cleanup. And, you know, my brother and I got to river raft down the river. He got to scuba dive. And then at the end, they had this amazing contest for all sorts of things that you would find at the bottom Mm. of the river. And so one that I remember was for the most keys, because generally, you know, you would find people's car keys Mm. and things Mm. like that. But my dad's friend found a typewriter. So he won because they, you know, to kind of make it fun. How did the typewriter end up in the river? (laughs) Yeah, who knows? But because of the keys, right? They allowed him to count each key. Yeah, yeah, and he won most keys. Yeah, Yeah. so we've now given three different examples of things that aren't necessarily as heavy as what we've talked about that would still allow you to understand what it feels like to contribute, you know? Mm. And it's Mm. just so important. Mm. Just the benefit of that. Because I know, again, a lot of organizational folks are listening. And so this is another great aspect of CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility, where you can allow your employees to have fun by self-selecting into groups and you get a lot of cross-pollination from different departments. So they're aligning around the cause that is being supported by the organization. It's not mandatory. So it's not, you know, one of these things where you feel like you're having to do it. And the fact that you're allowing them to flex their agency and autonomy just makes the whole thing more pleasurable. So it's a great way for organizations to sort of foster one of the, best aspects of fun and kind of create it within an organizational environment. Mm, really, really good point. I think we can work on these things as individuals and consider them to be additional things that we do for our benefit, but for a social benefit as well outside of our working hours. But the notion of being able to integrate it through something like corporate social responsibility, through workplace volunteering type setups, then 
you get a whole extra win there because you're getting the personal benefit. There's the social benefit, but as you just articulated, there's a whole lot of organizational benefit and it doesn't add to the burden on our already stretched day. It's just a bit of a mindset shift, I think, particularly within organizations to think that work isn't just, and we've spoken about this before, the sitting at your desk kind of thing, that there are still an awful lot of workplace benefits to taking a half day or a full day or any amount of time out to implement these kind of practices because there's that kind of burnout relief or burnout avoidance that we spoke about earlier. There is, you know, the opportunity for bonding. There's the fun and the well-being benefits. There's the, you know, connection with your broader community. The, the, the list goes on and on of all the ways in which this can help support us, but you can tell that we're both advocates for this idea. Yeah, definitely. Mike, this has been a really wonderful series of conversations. We've had six episodes now talking about fun and well-being and how that benefits us as individuals, even conceptually what fun is. You know, I think I'm I'm hoping that our listeners go away realising, and I don't think that I realise this as fully as I hopefully do now, that fun is, is a very broad repertoire of very personal experiences that there isn't a single definition for fun and there's no single way in which that can be either done or indeed benefit us, which I think is wonderful because it really just means that we can think about all the different ways in which we have had positive and meaningful experiences that we might like to do more of. And we've spoken about everything from photographs around your house and little artifacts that remind you of positive moments to finding meaning and purpose through your work to volunteering and community to understanding what your time looks like and that play model and and where you might want to kind of activity bundle as you use it. So piggyback (laughs) these uh, more positive experiences, fun experiences onto everyday life. There's been mindfulness, there's been conversation about social media and parenting. There's there's just been a huge amount in there, which has been wonderful. Any final thoughts, anything that you think we haven't covered or anything you'd like to summarise and conclude with as we pull this all together? Yeah, I think we've definitely covered a lot of ground. But as you mentioned, I think the biggest takeaway is you sort of digest all of what we've talked about is that you you generally have more agency and autonomy over the way you spend your time. So if you often catch yourself saying, you know, I wish I was having more fun, generally, it's just a small little incremental changes that will get you right back on track. You just have to sort of understand that there are opportunities sitting right in front of you. And that too, generally, you know, in any given 168 hours of your week, there's a couple hours that you probably habituated in an activity that you could easily exchange for something that's more fun. And then once you get kind of that upward spiral going, you'll realize that it's not just about yourself, but that actually you're contributing to the ones that you love and hopefully giving back to you know causes that you care about. And so that's why it's not important just for your own personal well-being, but for everyone around you for that matter. A wonderful summary. The power is in your hands and it's about <laughs> taking the small steps Thank you so much, Dr. Mike Rucker, for all of these conversations. We will, of course, 
spread the message far and wide when your book is released in early 2023. It is, you're going to have to remind me of the title. It's The Fun Habit. And what's the subtitle? Uh, they've changed it, Army. So oh, have they? Oh, yeah, no wonder yeah. I'm having trouble keeping track. <laughs> anyway, it is the fun habit. We will make sure the, the message is spread far and wide when that is released early in the new year. But of course, there's a whole lot of content through the show notes that we've put together as well, both in terms of the references. And again, you know, there's been a wealth, uh, just as there's been a wealth of topics we've covered in the conversation, there's been a wealth of references and other content resources that are all in the show notes for each of these episodes as well. I have had a lot of fun having these conversations with you. It is certainly, as I said earlier, given me a lot of ideas. And on behalf of all of our listeners and the wider potential psychology community, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. That was the final in our series of conversations with Dr. Mike Rucker about fun and well-being. And I hope you found them as enjoyable and as insightful as I have, and that you have some practical tips that you've taken away to find more fun and pleasure in your life. I am certainly endeavouring to make some changes in the way I live day to day to incorporate more fun into my life. But of course, making changes to lifelong habits isn't easy. It does require small steps and regular noticing of what's working and what's not working for you and frequent reminders to do the doing of new habits and behaviour change, not just the thinking and intention of it. And it also requires a good dollop of self-compassion for all of the times that you forget or get caught up in other stuff. And if you find that that's what's happening for you, just gently nudge yourself back towards your goal of more fun and do something small and don't beat yourself up if it doesn't work. Just have another go next time, the next day. It's always another opportunity. So what is next on the Potential Psychology Podcast? Well, we're coming up to October, which is Mental Health Month. And what's exciting about this October in particular is that How to Thrive a documentary that asks the question, is there a secret recipe to happiness, will be out there live and in the world with screenings happening around the country from early October. If you are a long-time listener, you might remember that we ran a whole How to Thrive series of the show starting in late 2021, in which Marie McLeod, social worker and positive psychology coach or positive psychotherapist, shared the hosting duties with me and we discussed her beacon model of thriving with lots of practical tips a little how to thrive quest for our listeners each week. And there were many, many laughs. It was a joyous conversation, series of conversations and series to record. And so to celebrate Mental Health Month, 2022 and the launch of How to Thrive, the documentary, we are revisiting those episodes. They will be back in your ears between now and early November. So if you've heard them before, please do listen in again. I have re-listened to all of them recently. In fact, I've probably listened to all of them several times now, and I still get something more from each conversation each time I listen. And, you know, I was the one involved in the conversation in the first place. So you will take away more. You will hear different things the second time around, there will always be something else. And, and even just in the shift from 12 months, you know, our readiness to incorporate a new idea or the circumstance in which we find ourselves in, these are conversations that we can come back to again and again to really take on board some tips around how to thrive from a positive perspective. If you haven't listened to the series, 
then you have quite the treat in store. Marie is articulate and insightful and a lot of fun. And she really does make the science of thriving very personal and very practical and very easy. So that starts in our next episode of the show coming up very soon. If you haven't already, hit subscribe in your podcast app so that you get all of those episodes arriving automatically in your feed. They're just queued up and they're ready for you to listen to next time you're in the car or going for a run or cooking the dinner or walking to work or wherever it is you might be when you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget as well that you can now become a special VIP member of the Potential Psychology Podcast community with access to bonus episodes, the first of which is now just about ready and waiting for you. Dr. Mike Rucker and I are discussing the importance of making time for fun and positive experiences in our workplaces. So there's some practical stuff around how to have better meetings and how to have better email conversations that allow us more time for fun. We're not getting bogged down in some of the tedium that workplaces so excel at. So to join as a subscriber at the tiny little cost of just $5.99 a month, and that's in Australian dollars, head to our website, potential.com.au or to anchor.fm forward slash potential psychology forward slash subscribe. And we'll have those links in the show notes. I'm very much looking forward to seeing you there in our little new inner sanctum PP community. With all of that done and said and coming to the conclusion of this series of the show, please enjoy my conversations with Marie McLeod about how to thrive. Do keep an eye out for screenings of the How to Thrive documentary happening across the country. And please stay well, stay safe and take small steps to fulfil your potential. Potential.